Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630, WLAP, the home of the Cats. And I'm Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, and together Curtis and I are here every day, Monday through Friday, talking the Cats. If it's a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, you can hear it right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This edition of the show is brought to you by La Rosa's. We'll tell you a little bit more about them in just a bit. we got to talk about... R.J. Hampton, again, he, he just keeps making news. There's a new mock draft out for the NBA. Uh, also, uh, interesting details uh, came to light about the Calipari and UCLA job. Um, we'll discuss those, and then we'll wrap with um, some stories from rural Pennsylvania uh, that we've been promising. Uh, Kyle will get to tell us some stuff about that didn't make his story about Nate Sestina. Uh, but Kyle, let's lead it off. Let's 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 talk about this this R.J. Hampton news that came today, uh, officially reclassifying through 2019. And uh, I guess the surprise of this announcement was that Duke is out of there and Texas Tech is in to the Final Four with Kentucky, Kansas, and Memphis. Yeah, I mean, it's not totally surprising that Duke was removed because. Uh, they have a, a pretty clear point guard, um, and he obviously wants to play some point guard. I think it's the other reason that, you know, even though Kentucky keeps being mentioned by him and the dad, uh, that he's probably not coming to Kentucky either because he does want to play a lot of point guard, and, and Kentucky also has a point guard in Ashton Hagens. Uh, it may speak to uh, the idea that RJ Hampton thinks he can overtake Ashton Hagens and maybe not uh, Trey Jones at Duke. I don't know. Uh, that Kentucky's still being considered, or maybe it's just the way that it's the situation is being presented to him from Kentucky's end. But I, I just, I still have a hard time believing that he comes to play in a really, really crowded backcourt that I think will get more crowded. I think Johnny Juzang will ultimately end up here. He's all, another 2020 kid who reclassified in 2019. He's just wrapped up his official visit to Kentucky. Uh, I believe that went well. I don't know when the announcement will be made, if he's going to visit anywhere else first, but I would say Kentucky's the big leader there. Um, they already do have Quickly and Hagens and uh, Tyrese Maxey, who Hampton is both, they're both from Texas, and Hampton has said, you know, that's my guy, and he's recruited me a lot, and we'd love to play together. I just, it's still really hard for me now that he's officially in 2019, to see that happening. I, I would have loved Kentucky's chances if he stayed in 2020. Uh, but but to me, it's Memphis or Kansas. And I think Memphis probably more likely. He's in regular touch with James Wiseman and talked a lot about that and how appealing that is. Um, the, the other thing that got thrown out there today by Andrew Slater, who's a very plugged-in recruiting guy, was that it wouldn't surprise him, I think he said, to see R.J. Hampton go play overseas. He tweeted out, one could see overseas being an option as well, um, after he, he was, quote, tweeting uh, the Hampton reclassifying and uh, uh, and the fact that he has new schools on his list. And then I think it's, um, I believe it's a crystal ball emoji, and I think that's the Chinese flag. So I'm trying to remember all the dudes that have gone overseas instead of playing college ball. Did any of them go to China? I can't remember. Uh, I think, yeah, I think that's where uh, was it 
Brandon Jennings, I think, maybe went. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm wrong. Maybe. You're, you're probably right that one of them did, but it just didn't. I couldn't remember there, who. I do know there's good money to be made over there. I, I think Dakari Johnson made a boatload of money over there this season. So, yeah. Um, so, um, well, so, I mean, that's, that, that's kind of all we got to say about RJ Hampton. I feel like we've been talking about him constantly, um, and don't really have, <laughs> you know, an, uh, the idea that, that, that he will actually end up at Kentucky. So, uh, we're going to move on and we are going to be, t- we're going to talk, um, about this, uh, this, this John Calipari report that came from the LA times, which is a, uh, kind of a really ex- extensive piece, uh, overall, uh, and, it kind of confirms what we thought. Uh, basically, UCLA really, really botched this. <laughs> um, and it, it all started out with them trying to get uh, John Calipari. Um, and the article said that UCLA agreed to pay Calipari $45 million over six years uh, and met his demands, which were $1.7 million pool for assistant coaches, eight new staff positions, private planes for the use of the team and its coaches, and a monthly catered meal for Calipari's staff uh, and players. Kind of odd demands because I feel like all of those things are here at Kentucky, and they're almost. I mean, maybe maybe it's a fancier meal meal in California, Kyle. I don't know, um, but I mean, it kind of confirmed uh, what we all thought. And I guess the most interesting part uh, is that they've met several times, according to the story. So. I mean, when you read these details, did anything pop to you? No, I mean, like, to me, it was like, it reads like he wanted, if he was going to make this movie, to another of the kind of all-time powerhouses and the only place that has more national titles than Kentucky, it was going to require a deal, you know, essentially identical to what he has here at Kentucky. Now, I think they still would have had to come up with more money um, because that's, still not as much as he's making at Kentucky, but it would at least put him in the neighborhood and all the, all the trappings that they would have, he would have gotten if, if that deal is accurate, uh, would have put him in a similar situation to here at Kentucky. Um, I'm still not, you know, the, the assertion here in this story by the LA times is that this indicates his interest was genuine and they weren't played. I'm not still not sure that that doesn't, that means they weren't played because, uh, you know, if you're trying to cement your place at Kentucky and whether it be a lifetime deal or just to feel appreciated or whatever he was trying to, to, to feel and get from Kentucky, um, you know, you've got to have a real offer on the table. You know, you've got to be able to say, this is what they've offered me everything I asked for. Yeah. Um, and so he got UCLA to that point and then Kentucky, I think probably with little hesitation gave him what he needed to stay and this, you know, what has been reported as a lifetime deal. Um, so no, not super surprising, uh, you know, and I had heard that, that he actually, you know, that, that there was genuine contact and there was, um, you know, they moved the ball a little bit on this down the field because I don't think it would have, um, drawn the reaction it did from Kentucky had it not been some, you know, serious to a degree yeah without a doubt and uh i don't know why my mind went there kyle but i just thought through a a process and this probably kind of speaks to the time i grew up in the mtv uh, generation when reality show tvs just started getting going 
But what if John Calipari had gone all the way through with it and then gotten to the point where they were introducing him, and then all of a sudden Ashton Kutcher just popped out and said, you got punked. <laughs> I, that'd be great. I'd be for that. Well, UCLA ended up with uh, Mick Cronin, so one could say they got punked anyway. Coming up next, <laughs> <laughs> coming up next, we're going to uh, talk about the mock draft, and then uh, we're going to touch on some of the, the trial stuff because uh, there was a tweet that uh, from one of Kyle's colleagues that a lot of people were reacting to. But before that, I do want to tell you guys about La Rosa's uh, Pizza, which is coming to Lexington really, really soon. That building is just about done out on Richmond Road right next to the Skyline. La Rosa's is a Cincinnati thing, kind of like Skyline Chili. It was started by Buddy La Rosa over 50 years ago, and he got a bunch of his family's recipes together and opened a restaurant. And obviously they were really good because it just kept expanding, and now they're coming to Lexington. It's not just a pizza spot. They've got pasta. They've got salads. They've got all kinds of dishes, and all of the dishes are available for carry-out, delivery, or dine-in. Their dining room is awesome. It's family-friendly. It's just a really cool spot. So if you want a pizza to take home, uh, if you want to sit down, or if you want a pizza delivered to you, uh, check out the new La Rosa's when it's coming to Lexington. And if you're interested in careers, just search Lexington La Rosa's job on the internet, and they'll get you some more information there. They're a really fun place to work as well. So I look forward to that. La Rosa's opening up on Richmond Road right next to the Skyline. You are Locked On Kentucky, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Mm, your colleague, we're going we're gonna to kind of do like the athletic um, rundown. Uh, Sam Vecini put out his mock draft 3.0 today, Kyle. And the Kentucky guys are kind of where we've been thinking about them. Um, P.J. Washington goes 14th. Tyler Heroes at 15, and Keldon Johnson is at 20. I think all those guys would definitely take those spots right now. Those are pretty good landing places for all of them. Yeah, and I think that's roughly the feedback they all got, you know, mm -hmm. in the on the front end of the process. Um, you know, I think PJ um, and Tyler are both going to be flirting with the lottery. You know, I think it just you know if the right team jumps in there, they could both end up in the lottery. Um, it wouldn't stun me if somebody makes that reach on Keldon Johnson either. I mean, he was a, considered a lottery pick for most of the season, but um, I, I think if they both, if they all three go in the top 20, I don't think anyone can really criticize those decisions. Uh, we still don't know, you know, it's worth noting that EJ Montgomery and Nick Richards, neither one are in, in the full 60 pick mock draft there. They're not really in anybody's top 100. Um, you know, that's not a surprise. They're not, even when they put their names in the draft, they knew that they kind of knew where they stood. I think they just want to go hear uh, specific feedback here. You know what, here's what we as NBA teams want to see from you. And here's how you need to get better or, Hey, we'll sign you to a deal if you're willing to come out and, you know, go into the G league. But uh, neither of the, neither of those guys is uh, projected to be picked, but the other three to me are, are right where we kind of thought they were. And, you know, if you want to be ahead of the curve for a lot of reasons, you always should be listening to this podcast because, Kyle, I think I said it on here. I I still am of the mind. I would not be surprised, and I I am going to get close to predicting this, that uh, Tyler Hero will be the first Kentucky player drafted in the NBA draft. I In, in uh, Vecini's draft, obviously, he's right behind P.J., one pick. 
Uh, the way he works out, the way he's going to look in those workouts, the way the NBA is playing the game right now, I think that he might just become irresistible to teams. And plus, I mean, if we're going to be honest, this is a pretty weak draft. I mean, look, no offense to these guys, but Jackson Hayes is at 12 from Texas. And Nasir Little is at 11. A lot of that is projection. Brandon. That's a, that one's amazing to me. Like, yeah, I, I mean, he played he played strong in the postseason, but he's, his entire body of work was totally underwhelming. He barely played for most of the year for North Carolina, and, and to still be a lottery pick is just uh, – it's pretty absurd to me. Well, and the one that kind of like jumps off the screen to you at to to you almost the most is the fact that Darius Garland is number four, and I I love that guy. Like I I've been raving about him. I saw him in the Hoop Summit. I got to talk to him down at SEC Basketball Media Day. Like fantastic uh, personality, fantastic player. He's six two. He's a really good guard, but it almost feels like since he got injured. He wasn't able to get uh, kind of critiqued by the NBA, and so now they're just going to fall in love with him, which is just kind of crazy. And I think I think points a ton about uh, this draft overall. Yeah, I mean he's six two, and he's coming off a knee injury. <laughs> I mean, right? It was a knee. Yes. Uh, you know, he's coming off a significant injury. Um, I, that that in a lot of years is not a top five player, but um, we'll see. Uh, I, I do think you're right that this is a weak draft. And, uh, you know, it's uh, another consideration when everybody sort of jumps to judge the rightness or wrongness of these guys' decisions to come out, you know, or, or in Tyler Hero's case, like, come back next year and you could be a higher pick. Well, maybe next year's draft is better. You well, know what I mean? And, and, and you slide down. You know, it's hard to say. And so yeah. um, I, I, I think you, you – I also think you could very much be right um, about – Tyler Hero, I, I think they're so close now in projection, and and for the reasons you stated, that it wouldn't shock me at all if uh, if Tyler Hero jumps PJ Washington. But I think they're both going to be happy with mm-hmm. where they're drafted. Like I, I'd be, I would be surprised if either of them falls beyond like the top sixteen. Yeah, yep, I I completely agree. Uh, sticking with your athletic brethren, that's the company, uh, not the type of people we're talking about. Your boy, Seth Davis, tweeted out today, For two years, the FBI used every investigative technique at its disposal to dig into corruption in college basketball, and the biggest fish they caught were Christian Dawkins, Jim Gatto, and Book Richardson. Maybe the sport is actually cleaner uh, than we thought. He is pretty, well, I guess technically this is getting quote-unquote ratioed, right, Kyle? Because he has... Yeah. 381 replies, 54 retweets, and 367 um, likes. So that means that there are more replies than uh, likes or retweets. So that's getting ratioed pretty hard. Yeah, he's getting ratioed. Um, this Sometimes we try to zig when everybody else is zagging, and sometimes we zig right into a buzzsaw, and that's what appears <laughs> Seth Davis did in my estimation. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, and Seth is certainly entitled to his opinion, and he is—I guess he's sort of technically my boss. I, I don't know. He's Ooh. definitely the guy—the guy who recruited me. So I guess I should be careful about uh, criticizing. But I mean, I, I publicly disagreed with him. I, I, everyone is sort of publicly disagreeing with him. I just—I don't think, and and I don't—you never know with Seth. Like that may have been just sort of to uh, be a provocateur uh, mm-hmm. to stir stir the pot a little bit. I don't know, or maybe he was being. Uh, you know, sarcastic, 
But there is no way that, to me, that you could hear this testimony, um, you know, see what's on these FBI wiretaps and all the different ways that it is reaching. And, and, and also because, like, we're only talking about one runner, you know, like one guy, Christian Dawkins, basically all of this stems from him. Mm-hmm. They happened to get him caught in the in the net. I mean, this was all really sort of happenstance that the FBI ended up involved in college basketball. It was a very specific fraud-related case. One fraudster led him to another, led him to this whole deal. I mean, this is one. This is one guy. Are we really to believe there aren't like twenty-five Christian Dawkins out there? Yeah. Um, you know, one guy, and and largely has been like one shoe company. Uh, one agent, um, you know, uh, and and even still, even with sort of the limited nature of it, it's reached out a lot of different ways. I mean, you've got an Arizona assistant. I mean, on caught on wiretaps and essentially letting everybody know that he was actively out there buying players, mm-hmm. that he was tell us, claiming that he was going broke because he was using his own money for the for the deniability of the of the whole deal. Um, you know, we've got Will Wade, we've got all these other things, you know, it, we've had names mentioned of some of the biggest names, the biggest names, Ion Williamson, um, Marvin Bagley, um, you know, that, that calls into question Duke to an extent, I would think, yeah. um, you know, the fact that it has reached as many places as it has reached in really what I think is su- such a limited piece of this whole puzzle i don't know how you could hear all that stuff over the course of two trials and think uh wow i guess i guess this thing's cleaner than i thought like i come away from it thinking the whole the whole sport is dirty yeah yeah i i completely agree with you and i guess the other thing to kind of keep in mind is it's a weird scenario because the institutions are the victim in this case um, and so once you get into the situations where you're blaming the people who are kind of in charge of the institutions to a certain extent in the coaches and you're like going down a weird road, obviously Chuck person got caught because of uh, the, like what he was doing basically almost like selling guys down the line to go to financial advisors and those kind of deals. So uh, we're going to, we're going to try to get into this, but I, I keep holding off because Kyle like, New, they, it's still ongoing right now, so I want to kind of get as much as a complete picture as we as we really can. Uh, once we can kind of grasp on it, and hopefully we can get a guest uh, who has been who has been able to cover uh, some of this, so we can get even a better idea. But like I, I am just really curious to see how this all shakes out, and if there are any major people to get fired at the end of the day, because to this point. All the head coaches have kept their jobs with the exception of Rick Pitino, and one of the main reasons he got fired is because he had passed indiscretions. I mean, obviously he and Dickie V shout from the mountaintops that he should get another job, but you know his firing was a culmination. It wasn't because of this specific event. Um, so it's just a weird time in college basketball overall. Um, coming up next, speaking of weird times, we're going to talk to Kyle about uh, going to Emporium, Pennsylvania, and all the fun uh, that he had there that he wasn't able to fit in the piece about Nate Sestina uh, that he published uh, last week. But before we get into that, I do want to tell you guys about ZipRecruiter. 
Hiring used to be hard, multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process, but today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOnKentucky. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidate so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate through the site within the first day, just one day, uno. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. Okay, Kyle, um, the most important question I have for you about your trip to Emporium, Pennsylvania is, did you hear any banjo? (laughs) No banjo. No banjo. Uh, But it does, it did evoke the, uh, a few times winding through the mountains, uh, flew into State College and drove the two hours sort of corkscrewing through the mountains. And it was, I have to say it was really beautiful, uh, beautiful, beautiful drive. Uh, big Creek runs along a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, the drive and it, it's creek. sort of zig, zig, the Creek, they call it zigzagging along. And, uh, it was really pretty weather the day I, I drove up there and, um, beautiful place. It's sort of, as I mentioned in the story, uh, for the athletic, hope people check it out. Um, it's a long, long, piece on uh, Nate Sestina and the town that he's from and sort of the people and place that helped make him. And, and, and two, the thing that'll strike people, I think we mentioned this is just, uh, you know, I talked to basically everyone in the town and everyone there has a a story about how much they love Nate Sestina and why a very specific kind of personal story. And uh, they're all really cool. Um, but you know, it is really a town that time forgot. It was a, uh, a town that was almost twice the size it is now, maybe 30 years ago. Uh, the high school's about cut in half. They've had to give up baseball because they don't have enough people. Um, they're having to think about combining with another school to have a football team going forward. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, it was really relying on industry. They had a Sylvania plant that made picture tubes and they made a bunch of products, um, supplies during, during the war. Um, when uh, sort of business was booming and war manufacturing, uh, they, I think they called it girls town. I was told, I don't think I put that in the story, but they used to basically import women to work in this factory. Wait a uh, minute. During wartime. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Like, okay, wait. Um, why were, why were, why were women in, uh, imported here? You, you piqued my interest. The, I assume cause all the men were off fighting the war. Uh, women worked a lot of the wartime factory jobs back then, and they called it Girls Town. And uh, Nate's great uncle told me it was like ten to one women to men during that time in the town. <laughs> they would like bust them in. Uh, wait, did <laughs> so, you say Nate's was? Did you say Grandpa? Great uncle. Great uncle. Uh, did, was he in the war, or was he? Did he get to enjoy uh, the fruits? I don't know. Of the, I don't. I don't, I don't know. The Girls Town. 
I don't, I don't know if he was mayor of Girlstown or, <laughs> or, or, or what. I didn't go down that, uh, didn't go down that uh, path with him. <clears throat> so, like, what else stood out about the town overall? I mean, you described it great. You took some fancy photos that you got to put in your story, which I know you love photography. Um, but, like, I mean, is there is there any kind of more ways you can describe it a little bit uh, to paint a picture? Well, I mean, the thing that stuck out to me, and I'm not, I don't know if I'm really sharing much that isn't in the story in one form or fashion, but just literally the, the idea that most of the people who live in that town have been to see him play at least once at Bucknell, like made the two hour plus round each way trip to see him play when they played a game, um, uh, a game against St. Bonaventure about an hour away. Uh, the, the, the great uncles basically got a group together and said, how many tick, you know, how many of us want to go? And then he bought like using a group discount and bought like a block of tickets. And they had like 400 people from the town go to one game. Um, I mean, an entire section of an away game was, you know, in Bucknell t-shirts. They, they, someone in town apparently also made like Nate Sistina Bucknell t-shirts for that game. So there's like 400 people wearing one dude's <laughs> t-shirt uh, at a road game. I thought that really spoke to the fact that you, I mean, you, everybody's going to say, uh, you know, if you call them up and say, tell me about this kid, like, Oh, he's a great kid. Um, you know, if it's their mom or their coach or whatever, a couple of close people around them. But I think just being around the town and hearing some of those stories like that, knowing how many people have gone out of their way to go see him because of the way he's treated them and their fa- his family has treated them over the years, tells you a little more about like how genuinely beloved he is and important he is to the community. I think the other piece of that is he's a symbol of hope for a place that's a, been a little bit hopeless at times over the years. Not hopeless, but they've it, it's been there have been some rough economic times. I, I think the people there are very upbeat and positive and kind and welcoming. It was about the most hospitable work trip I've ever been on. Uh, I told you about you know, the, his parents had me stay with them at their house. How did um, Nate's his mom Sist- made me breakfast? <laughs> How did Nate Sestina's bed sleep? <laughs> that was the weirdest thing. The weirdest part of it was actually sleeping in Nate's old room. Uh, he drove. He and uh, the other thing is he drove over from Bucknell. He drove like the two hours uh, from Bucknell just to like sit and talk with me for a little bit that first night I was there. And so we we hung out until like midnight, and then he drove back to school. And I was like praying that he wouldn't like get in a like oh, car goodness. accident or something on the way back. So I did a very dadly thing. And I was like, please, please text me and let me know you got home. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, so then I had his room and that was pretty weird. So um, wait, 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 just to, just to pause here for a second. So, so you, you were uh, texting with Nate Sestina at 2 AM. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. While sleeping in his bed. <laughs> <laughs> I, as he was leaving, I said, I'm pretty sure I'm going to end up being the only reporter in Kentucky that can say they slept in your bed. <laughs> I was like, maybe we should keep that one to ourselves. Now it's but, public. Uh, yeah. But uh, no, it was, it was, you know, it was a, certainly a very unique opportunity to really get to know a person that you cover beyond what is, yeah, I think, what is normal. Um, and, you know, uh, his dad works at the high school. His dad's been a teacher there forever and was the athletic director there for a little while. Um, and so basically I walked over, they live right around the corner. They live around the corner from everything. The entire town is in 
within three quarters of a square mile. Everybody, 1,500 people live in three quarters of a square mile. And his family's kind of right in the middle of Main Street, basically. Fourth Street is basically Main Street in that town. And they live right around the corner from the high school. Um, I walked, I got up, his mom made her famous blueberry French toast for me. Uh, I walked to school with his dad. Um, and then he just said, like, here's all, here's the, here are the names of all the people who taught Nate. And it was like 15 people, 20 people. I don't know. And, uh, I just wandered the halls of the school for a few hours and not waited, you know, knocked on doors and sat down with teachers and, um, you know, from a shop teacher to the, you know, the secretary at the high school, uh, the secretary, this is an interesting note. The secretary of the high school Nate went to in this tiny town in Pennsylvania, her daughter was the college roommate of Deb Moore, who is one of the oh, basketball wow. SIDs at Kentucky um, and is like one of her best friends. So there, there are all these random little – and that's the other thing too. Of, of all the things, there are all these random little connections well, to Kentucky. The one – someone knew John Calipari from college. Yeah. Yeah, the guy who is currently the high school basketball coach. He wasn't when Nate was there. He was, he was an assistant. Um, and also he is currently – the high school basketball coach and the athletic director at the high school, and he is the postmaster of the town. Uh, his name is uh, his last name is Guido. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm trying to think what his first name is. Anyway, he uh, was at um, Clarion. Well, uh, yes, Clarion. Uh, when John Calipari was there, John Calipari played there. Uh, he was not on the team. I think he said he tried out. Uh, Nate Nate's understanding was that John Calipari beat him out for on first spot on the team. Oh snap! So that, that's like that's like what I first was told, and I brought that up to him, and he said no, that, no, I was not. I, I tried out or something, but uh, he said he played pickup against Calipari a few times while they were in school there. Mark uh, Guido. Mark Guido. Yeah, and he, I mean, he didn't really. He was like, oh, he's fine. He's fine. You know, he's he's fine. <laughs> But it was it was pretty obvious that he I don't think he loved John Calipari. Well, let's let me <laughs> just let me just put it like this. Um, and this I'm trying I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but we all know, and John Calipari himself has admitted uh, that young Coach Cal at UMass, um, and even as as an assistant, uh, was not well liked by his peers. So uh, if you extrapolate that back a few years, and we all put ourselves in cocky college <laughs> Calipari. Oh, oh my, my goodness! Can you imagine? Oh. And, play, and, and and playing on a basketball court where you're, where you're trying to get in somebody's head, yeah, I can't. Uh, <laughs> I can't imagine how grating and annoying that was. What probably it was, but that you know. And the guy said, you know, I told Nate, you're the only person who could get me to root for Kentucky, uh, and I'll do it for a year. Um, and he's also a Duke fan, so. Um, but the whole, you know, he, he's really he made the whole town Bucknell fans. I think some people maybe assume when they hear, you know, the whole town rooted for Bucknell and they have Bucknell flags, like, well, it's in Pennsylvania. Maybe that makes sense. Everyone there said they didn't know about or care anything about Bucknell. It's a couple hours away. Uh, there was no there was no Bucknell fan base in Emporium, Pennsylvania. Uh, and then Nate went there, and they all bought T-shirts and started buying tickets and going to games. And uh, they're all talking about how they're swapping their gear out. They're getting their Kentucky yard flags. Uh, they're got, getting their Kentucky T-shirts. They're all trying to figure out the best way to get there and go to a game because it's obviously a much longer trip. It'd be an eight-hour plus drive. 
the tickets are obviously a lot more expensive. I'm really hoping that a group of them get together and maybe take a bus or something and come down for a game. And I've talked to them about if they do that, I'm planning to, uh, to, to make that trip with them and, well, and uh, write another story about that. Well, that if, that, if that happens, um, I wouldn't mind partying with the people of Girl Town. <laughs> you want to go to Girl Town? I want to go to Girl Town. Well, Kyle, that's a good place to stop this podcast, I think. Um, (laughs) uh, be sure to be following along with us on twitter at locked on uk you can follow kyle at kyle tucker underscore ath i'm at curtis birch b-u-r-c-h thanks again to the roses for sponsoring this edition of the show if you're interested in sponsoring locked on kentucky please shoot us an email or dm Uh, the email is locked on kentucky at gmail.com i will get you all the information uh, you need please rate Please review, please subscribe. All those things really, really help spreading the word. And then the best way you can spread the word about the podcast is to share it with somebody else who would enjoy. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. You are locked on Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts locked on. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. A monthly cater meal for his staff? What? Yeah, I mean, just random stuff, yeah. And then uh, I guess we can do some uh, some Nate Sestina stories, if you got any ready to go. Okay. Coolio. Um, all right, here we go. <clears throat>